like the Buffalo Bills. What's up, Buffalonians? It's your boy, Nick English. If you want the facts, the stats, and all the sports info in the 716, you have come to the right place. This is English Encore, Buffalo's favorite sports channel. I'm your host, Nick English, joined by my co-host, Andrew Ogowich, here on a Wednesday night following the Bills' throttling of the Washington football team this past Sunday, 42-21. to 21. Uh, A belated happy birthday to our very own Andrew, who is at the game. So, Andrew, take us through your weekend, the Sunday game, your birthday, and how good does it feel that Josh Allen is back? <laughs> Well, first, thank you for the happy birthday, Nick. Appreciate it. Um, but yeah, it was uh, <laughs> that was a great way to end a birthday weekend. I'll tell you that much. Um, just incredible game, right? Josh was back to how we expected him to look, uh, making things happen, making some throw, making those deep throws. Defense was so solid again for the second week in a row. Um, things were just clicking. It was a fun atmosphere in the stadium, even with right at the new vaccination mandate of everyone having to be vaccinated um, buzz in the air, the whole day, it just, it was a, it was an all around great, great game. And uh, I'm just glad Josh is back and uh, the team is looking pretty unstoppable again. And then quick question on the stadium. Cause I know week one, obviously was super packed with traffic. How was the traffic for this game? And then how was getting into the stadium with the new rules compared to before? Yeah. For the so, listener. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, we left our tailgate probably about noon to get in. Oof. The lines were, were ridiculous. Like Abbott was just full of people waiting to get in. Right. So um, you wait in line, you show your vaccine card first, then you go through security, then you scan your ticket, then you're in. It what there were just people everywhere. Like it probably took us about 45 minutes to get through the vaccine line. And then once you're through the vaccine line, right, it's you're through the metal detectors, scan your ticket and you're in. Um, we literally got to our seats, probably two minutes to spare before they did the intros. So it worked out for us in the long run, but yeah, lines were stupid long and they didn't even really look at the vaccine cards, which was kind of frustrating. You know, like if you're going to make us bring our vaccines cards, which I'm fine, like I don't, whatever you do what you want to do. That's fine. I'm back. I'm vaccinated. So I don't really give a shit. I'll bring my card and show you, but at least look at it. Like they didn't look at, it. I walked, I held it up, walked right through. No one even looked at it. Like there was a sheriff on one side, uh, uh, Bill's employee on the other side and just people were just trying to get through this uh, entrance way to get in. But so, yeah, so it took about 45 minutes to get through the line, um, but is what it is. Right. I mean, everyone complied. Everyone, you know, had their cards. I didn't see anyone get turned away. Right. No one was trying to pull anything over. Um, so it wasn't too bad. Um, it just like we knew I, I knew it was going to be a long wait. So, um it worked out. Like I said, we got there within just enough time to spare. I didn't miss anything and it worked out fine. So the bills destroy Washington. 
Mm-hmm. Josh looks awesome. Emmanuel Sanders looked awesome. Dawson Knox really stepped it up. Great touchdown yep. grab. Great touchdown celebration. A plus on that. Um, yep. Offensive line really held up. You know, this was their biggest test of the year. I mean, I know you weren't as high in Washington as far as myself and the national media was, um, but yep. still a good, good showing for the offensive line compared to what they had faced um, already. Dominated pretty much start to finish. There was the scary little moment of the Antonio Gibson long touchdown, which credit to him because that was just an awesome play on his part. And then obviously McKenzie, I don't know if he thought it was a punt or what was going on. The wind brought so, it back so far. Um, yeah, and they so, score right after that. Um, was there a kind of a here we go again feeling, or is it kind of like this is just unlucky? We're in good shape. The offense is buzzing. Yeah. So on those two, uh, so the uh, Antonio Gibson uh, long touchdown, that was, and I, I watched the all 22 on it this week. That was solely on Tremaine Edmonds. Like he just missed his spot. He was just out of position. If he's, he jumped, dropped back into coverage. They dropped back into his zone. Uh, we played a lot of cover two on them. Tremaine dropped back into his zone. If he stays put on the 30, he's right there to make the tackle. But he is – he drifts too far away from the line of scrimmage and is pushed out into no man's land, and that's what allows Antonio Gibson to get free and just waltz down the defense. So that's on Tremaine. Um, after looking at the All-22, wasn't Tremaine's best game um, by any means. Um so he definitely has some work to do to get ready for the rest of the season. Um, I mean, I don't think he's a liability, right? I, he caused a touchdown, but um, it's not like he cost us the game, but like just a few things like he was out of uh, position a few times, missed things. So looked awkward for him. So that's on that touchdown Then on the muffed kickoff, it was windy in there. Right. So <clears throat> I was sitting on the 200s tunnel end zone and you can see the ball is kicked and it just hits a wall of wind and drops. So Isaiah, I don't think Isaiah expected it to just drop like it did and he didn't have enough time to judge where it was going. Um, So I don't think that's on Isaiah. I don't think uh, it's something to worry about. Like he can't return kickoffs or anything. It just was a weird fluky thing where out of nowhere, it just hit a wall of wind and um, dropped, right? It, it took a weird – it was like uh, – and that one game, I don't remember which game it was, but the ref threw the flag at the ball and caused the fumble on the punt. Right? Like, it just was one of those weird things where it just um, wasn't expecting it and caused a, a bad play to – a bad bounce to go the other way. So, um, But after those two, it got a little quieter, but – I mean, then the offense comes back and we're back to, oh, no, we're good. We've got the Josh that we know and love back. We're fine. So I don't think anyone was really worried in the stadium. Um, the team didn't seem to be worried at all, right? They took care of business and got right back to what they needed to do. Um, I will say, and I texted you this on Sunday, Josh and Diggs are still out of sync. And that's worrying to me. Like, I just, they're not connecting on long balls. 
like just something seems off with them. And I, th- I mentioned it after the Steelers game, right? That something was off. It's not right. Their timing's off, whatever it is. They're working a lot on stuff you see on social media um, that they're, they're working on routes and really putting in a lot of work, but it's like that long ball with the two of them is just not there. Somehow Josh found it with Emmanuel Sanders, which is awesome. Right. But it's like, it's not there with digs. So is it a matter of defenses are locking down digs, which allows Sanders and Cole and Gabe Dave to be open more like, fine. That's great. Right. That's why you bring in Emmanuel Sanders to allow that to happen. But then you think back to when Diggs was with the Vikings and is he a diva? Is he oh, not going to get, I love you're going this route. I'm, I'm ready to start go stirring, stirring the pot. I'm going to start stirring it. Um, is diva Diggs going to come out? Right. Because the claim was he became Diva Diggs in Minnesota because he wasn't getting the ball. couldn't get the ball to him. His targets dropped out of nowhere, right? Nothing was connecting with him and Kirk Cousins. So then he started to get loud and he started to get, um, you know, Diva Diggs. I don't think that's going to happen. He's made it very clear he loves being here. Him and Josh are best friends. They're on the cover of magazines together, right? He's still posting about Josh on his stories. And I think they'll be fine. I don't think we'll get Diva Diggs, but it makes you wonder, like, if they don't figure this out, is is there something more there? Is this going to grow into something, right? Like, it's just, we're three weeks into it. Diggs does not, there's no long ball to Diggs yet. So uh, it's interesting. It's something like Emmanuel Sanders is slowly creeping his way up and up and up the wide receiver death chart and with targets and yards and it's like okay interesting I wasn't expecting that at all like I thought Sanders would be you know a complimentary role right use him here and there when we need him but he seems to be at least for the Washington game in my eyes he was the number one wide receiver I mean he had um what was a hundred where's my notes 94 yards on five receptions and the two touchdowns, six targets, right? Diggs had six receptions, 62 yards. So, I don't know. It's uh, something to keep an eye on. Uh, I wonder what your thoughts are on that, Nick. I am ready to calm Bill's Mafia. I am ready. (laughs) I'm ready to defend. So, I hear your points, and I hear why you think those things, and I think they are warranted. But I'm here to throw it back in your face and say, you need to calm yourself, Mr. Ogilwich. <laughs> so I think one of the main reasons why I'm not concerned, and you kind of already alluded to it with, you know, Diggs posting picture of Josh. I actually literally just watched Diggs um, interview today. He was talking about, you know, I'm not like, I really truly mean I'm not about being numbers. Like I'm going to have right. my time to shine. And when that time comes, I'm going to shine. And I think he has been getting a little bit more double teams. But I think the main reason you the reason I love this game is getting Emmanuel Sanders involved, I think, can bring this offense to a new level because the first few weeks, it seemed like him and Josh were still figuring things out. And then this week, it finally clicked and they were able to get the two touchdowns in the long ball connection. And 
honestly, on the one long ball he did throw to Diggs early in the game, it looked like the Washington defender tackled him at the legs before Diggs even had a chance to catch the ball, which would have probably been a touchdown. Um, and I actually started going back to last year and thinking, because everyone keeps talking about Allen and Diggs and the long ball, and it made me think, how many times last year did Diggs and Allen really connect on like a true long ball? I'm not talking like 15, 20 yards. I'm talking like 40, 50 yards. I went, I thought the Miami game week two down the sideline. I'm thinking the Denver Broncos game down the sideline. Um, other than that, I had a tough time without going and looking of remembering games where him and Diggs had a bunch of long balls. And as big as Josh's arm is, and I know we want to, we love every team and every fan loves the long ball. It's obviously good to have, but I don't think, I think later in the year we're going to need it. But right now when we're trying to find figure out the offense, you know, the first two weeks was kind of sloppy. We're trying to figure things out. I love the way they played, especially after the whole story with Dable came out about his grandmother. So God bless him and his family. Um, but I, I think the other thing that is kind of driving this too is that Josh and Stefan were almost so good last year that the expectations for that connection skyrocketed to something that might not even be possible. And I think that could also be a reason why maybe the connection isn't as strong from the standpoint of it's Gabriel Davis, the second year, Emmanuel Sanders trying to get involved in the offense. Kumro made the team, you know, Knox wants to make this jump. Maybe there was a more centralized focus in the off season on working those guys in the offense, because at the end of the day, when you think about the bills offense and Josh's connections, Stefan Diggs and Cole Beasley, are the two guys, they really didn't have to worry about. And I think you said, like you said, Diggs had six catches, I believe, on seven targets, or maybe it was eight. Um, so when the ball's still going his way, they're still connecting, and maybe it's not nearly to the level it was last year where almost every single game he's getting 70-plus yards. And I think also the big reason for that was last year, John Brown wasn't healthy every game. If Emmanuel Sanders is able to stay healthy every game, maybe Stephon Diggs' numbers come down a little bit, but that efficiency is still there. So I'm not ready to get worried about Diggs. I think his time's coming. I think this week would be a perfect week to try to get him going before the Kansas City game against a weaker, inferior opponent. Um, I still love the way Diggs is handling his leadership. Um, And like you said, I'm not – like you said, you didn't say anything about him being a diva or we think it's going to happen. I just want to calm the people and kind of just give some light on maybe some of the reasons why they're not connecting. Obviously, it's a little frustrating based on what we saw last year how efficient and great they were. I just think because of that, I think every game this year, everyone thought Stephon Diggs was going to have 10, 11 catches for 100 yards and a touchdown every single game. And I think teams are doubling him. He got doubled a lot in the Miami game that I was at. Um, He's going to go up against a lot of the better corners. But now hopefully with Sanders and Beasley having big games, maybe Diggs is going to get some more one-on-ones coming up here and him and Josh are going to be able to reconnect that a little bit more yeah and I don't I'm not saying it's a problem and the team's on fire and all is you know all hell's breaking loose I just think it's interesting that on Sunday it looked like Josh favors Emmanuel Sanders over Diggs right I could be totally reading it wrong but 
just what it looked like. It's something to think about. And I, I guess it's a good thing, right? It's a good thing that he's got more options. He's got players and a lot, a lot of different toys he can play with. Right. That's a good thing. I just something to keep an eye on moving forward is all. And I'm about to make a bold proclamation. Andrew, are you ready for this? I'm sitting down. So let's hear it. <laughs> um, so the run game again was very good. Zach Moss, mm-hmm. I thought, had an awesome game. Devin Singletary yep. wasn't involved as much. I kind mm-hmm. of like that the Bills are able to have the hot hand theory. Now where you saw Singletary the first game and a half was really him. Moss got the couple late touchdowns, got another receiving in this game, ran the ball really well, hit the holes hard, got some yards mm-hmm. after contact. If the run game is able to sustain the way it has been the first three games, and Emmanuel Sanders is able to stay healthy the entire season, unlike John Brown was last year, this team can go to the Super Bowl. And I know that maybe me overreacting to like one good game and, you know, a lot of people still think the Bills are Super Bowl, you know, contenders. But what this game showed me, and maybe this is a one game overreaction, but fuck it, who cares, Um, (laughs) is – with have like the Bills offense last year when John Brown was healthy with Diggs and Beasley was so much better than when John Brown wasn't healthy. And we saw it in the playoffs with all the guys banged up that, you know, they were having a tough time getting open, especially later in the playoffs as they went on. We, we talked about the offense last year in the playoffs really wasn't that good. If those three guys, and that doesn't even include Gabriel Davis and Dawson Knox and Singletary out of the backfield, if they can sustain the run game and Emmanuel Sanders can stay healthy, I think the Bills have a really good shot at going to the Super Bowl. And I think if you can, this offense stays the way it is, and we need to see it now week after week, I think this was finally the, okay, guys, let's remember who we are. We can go out and drop 30 on anyone's head any given Sunday. Now we just have to do it more consistently than we showed the first two weeks. And I know maybe that's not the boldest prediction, but if those two things can happen, I really think there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to have a tough time stopping the Bills on offense. Yeah, I don't disagree. Uh, but I also think we have to wait and see what this team really is. I mean, we have – we've only played teams who are one and two at this point, right? Um, Steelers might be the best team we've played and we lost to them. Granted, right, it's the first week – is it was it a fluke? Was it right? There was were there nerves, whatever. Um, dolphins are trash. The football team, not that great. I said it, I think it was one of the first things I said, uh, when we previewed the game last week, right? Like, their defense is not a top five defense. We saw that on Sunday, right? 31st the, in the NFL right now, yeah, exactly. The NFL pundits rated them top five. When you look at, um, uh, fantasy drafts, right? They were top five, some of them were top three in some areas where you look like that defense is not good, right? And we saw that Josh picked them apart. He was able to make things happen and the running game looked great, whatever. So uh, the first real test maybe comes with the Titans. If the Chiefs lose to the Eagles this week, which who knows? I mean, the Chiefs did not look great, haven't looked great this year. Uh, they never cover the spread. They maybe they're falling apart, right? So they the Eagles might be able to 
put it together. I doubt it. So whatever, but the first real test might come against the Titans who have looked fairly decent, not to the level where we thought they would be. Um, at least I thought they would be, but they're two and one. They look pretty good. Then we don't get another real test until maybe the saints on Thanksgiving. Right. Uh, Cause after the bye, it's dolphins again, then the Jags, the jets and the Colts. Three of those four teams are own three right now. So, like, is it going to be one of those, like, is this another year where it's like, because last year, like, we had some good wins there, but again, it was all not great teams. So, it's like, can we see how they stack up against really good teams who are going to punch them in the mouth and not, right, be afraid of us? Um, So, we'll have to see. I think they can make the Super Bowl. I think they can make it farther. I am fairly certain they'll – um, make it to the championship game again. Who's going to be there against us? Is Kansas City going to figure it out? Is Denver or Oakland for real? Are they going to sustain the success they've had? Um, Chargers. Yeah, the Chargers, they look incredible. Herbert's a young Josh. I mean, Josh is young, but you get it right. Like he is incredible looking that team's on fire. So I don't know. I mean, it'll be interesting to see kind of how that shapes out going forward. Um, But yeah, I mean, if, if they stay healthy, if they, if Josh stays calm, the running game stays activated and stays relevant, yeah, I think they make it far, and sure, they could definitely make it to the Super Bowl. And on the NFC side, right, like, hey, that's a possibility um, that they've got – the Cardinals and the Panthers have really looked the best out of those teams. I think we can beat both those teams. Um, then you got the Packers, who are always just there, the Bucks, who are always just there, but they looked um, beatable. The they Rams beatable, are the team clearly. that's here, man. Yeah, that's that was going to be my next point. The Rams are the only team that I worry about, and a, and a lot of pundits have have picked the Rams and the Bills in the Super Bowl. So, long way of saying that, yeah, the Bills definitely can make it the Super Bowl, but it has to be sustained, right? We have to win the games we should win, and stay competitive in games where we're going to get punched back in the mouth. And right, like Josh can't get sugar high. Josh line has to hold up. Um, and the defense has to stay together as a team as they have um, three weeks into the season. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, Sunday was very promising. Um, it was a great compliment to the Miami game. And, I mean, I'm not worried at all about the team anymore. Um, so we'll see what happens. But, yeah, it seems like the, the pieces have finally gone together. We've got a puzzle. We've got a picture in the puzzle that we can see uh we just got to keep moving forward and take it one week at a time and that's a perfect segue into is this game against the houston texans which we'll preview here in a second a spot because of how bad they are i mean the bills opened up as a 17 point favorite that's insane um is this a spot where you know they look ahead to the Chiefs who they want to beat because they lost to them in the AFC championship last year. They can see that they're vulnerable. They're still the bad taste in their mouth. Can 
the Bills focus on the Texans truly as much as, you know, Josh and them say, you know, we are taking it one week at a time. You can believe what they say, what they actually think could be completely different. Do you think McDermott has them really, truly focused on this? Or do you think some of the players are thinking about that matchup against the Chiefs? And then on the Chiefs kind of Titans point you brought up before, as far as the defense goes, I think that's going to be those two games are the real first test because our defense has been unreal this year. But again, who have we played? We haven't played like the high power offense. We've played Jacoby Brissett, you know, Taylor Heineke and Ben Roethlisberger. That's not Patrick Mahomes and Ryan Tannehill. Um, So I think that's the first real test of you saw what happened last time you placed an offense that good. You've seen good flashes this year so far. Can you sustain that the whole year against good and bad teams? So kind of what are your thoughts on those two things? Yeah, so starting with the first thing about overlooking the Texans. Um, I don't think they'll overlook it. I think they know. I think the McDermott won't let them, right? I think they're in the spot where they know what is at stake. They know what the expectations are, and they know they can't slip up, right? They can't risk taking a tough loss to like a um a trap game loss to a lesser team like they just can't afford it um i don't think mcdermott's gonna let them do that they're gonna stay focused um but i mean they're definitely starting to put stuff in motion for preparation for that game um i think you'd be stupid to think they aren't i mean they obviously are you have to um, just because you don't have a lot of time in the NFL to to prep for stuff, right? Like these teams are complex teams. The uh, preparation is different. It's a Sunday night game. It's on the big stage against, you know, presumably our, our new rivals. So, yeah, there's definitely preparation going on. I'm sure the coaches are getting ready. They're putting stuff in, but I don't think they're overlooking the Texans. I don't think they are skipping this week and this preparation for the Texans game for the chiefs game. Um, They know who they play. We don't play the chiefs yet. We play the Texans. So you have to game plan for the Texans to play the Texans. Can't play game plan for the chiefs to play the Texans. It's not going to work like that. Um, So no, I don't think they're going to overlook anything. And I think it's real, right? Like when Josh says, I don't even know. We're, I don't even know. I don't even know we're playing the Chiefs until you said that, or whatever his quote was. I think that's real. Um, Pat McAfee has said that he never knew who they were playing until right the Monday of that week. Players just don't know. They're focused on what is at hand and the playbook and the game plan that's on their iPads for that week. Um, so I think that's very real that he didn't know what was coming. I mean, I'm sure he had an idea, right? They're not stupid, but um, I, don't, I don't think it's too far out of the you know realm of possibility that they're just not focused on that yet. They know it's one week at a time. And then as and far the, as the defense goes, what do you think? Yeah, so um, it's definitely – yeah, we're going to see what the defense is made of quicker than what the offense is made of, uh, like you said. Right. I mean, huge test before the bye week to see how they stack up. I think arguably 
the Texans game is a bigger test than the Chiefs game for the defense. You're supposed to destroy this game or this team, the Texans. You're supposed to shut them out. Can they pitch another shutout? Can they be locked down, shut down, unstoppable? I'd be more impressed with them putting or uh, shutting out the Texans than, right, like stopping Kansas City looking good against Kansas City. Like to be able to put it together against a bad team and not allow any points in an NFL game is incredible. They've already done it once. Can they do it a second time against a team they should be able to do? If they can do that this weekend, I will feel great going into week five against Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes and week 18 against um, Tannehill and uh, and Henry, right? Like, I think that that can tell us more about this defense than anything else, in my opinion, right? I mean, they're there. They look great. Everyone's on the same page, right? There's a few things here and there that are a little bit off, right? I mentioned Edmonds looks a little bit off. The linebackers look a little bit off, but they got other pieces that are fitting, like Justin Zimmer. Dude was incredible on Sunday. He didn't have flashy stats, but he just was there a third week in a row. That dude was just there. He was there when he needed him to clean up plays, to make those tackles or to fill up a hole on the line. Like he looked great. Star got a sack. He's finally looking worthy of being an NFL player again. Um, it just, it looked, the team looked good. Um, the defense looks good. They, they are all on the same page. So, yeah, so I think pitch a shutout on Sunday, and I don't have a worry about them the rest of the season. No, and I completely agree with that point, actually, because first and foremost, you're not facing Tyrod. You're facing Davis Mills. Davis Mills, yeah. It's like, okay, if you can't go out and dominate that quarterback at home, you know, yeah. in your building with a not good offensive line. Like they have four running backs between yeah. Philip Lindsay and David Johnson and Mark Ingram. And then, you know, outside of, I mean, the really the only word I would have if you're going game planning this game, it's wherever Brandon Cooks is, Trey White, go follow him because that's their only receiver that seems to do anything. Right. Um, but like you said though, if you can, if you are, this is talking about the, this is where you can transition from being a good team to a great team or where the bills are at from a great team to an elite team. We know what you can do against bad teams. Offensively, you can put up 30 points, but there were times last year where we played bad teams and our defense wasn't great. And we were, you know, barely scraping by wins. Like this is a spot where if you're a team that's supposed to be competing for a Super Bowl, the Texans are coming into your building, go out, kick their ass, and beat them by 35 points, stomp on their neck, and don't let them get up and don't let them breathe. Right. I would yeah. love to see the pass rush get more. They didn't really get – I mean, they were causing some pressure against Washington, but they weren't getting to, yeah. you know, the quarterback like they were against Miami, which was fine because the secondary was so good that, you know, that's a good problem to have that – Exactly. Um, The one thing that I want to say, I don't remember who brought it up. I don't know if it was Chris Sims or someone that pointed out, which I was actually kind of surprised about on the Gibson touchdown play. Actually, it might have been Joe Marino on the Lockdown Bills that pointed out. I honestly don't remember so much Bill stuff. But 
how in the McDermott era, they were actually like bottom five or bottom seven, like every year in, you know, miss tackles. Like they just miss a lot of tackles, which is kind of odd for how well they play defensively. Yeah. And, you know, it was evident on the Gibson play, you know, things like that, especially against a Kansas city against the Tennessee could really cost you. So I'm hoping we can see some more wrapping up, you know, a dominant game start to finish. Um, like you had said, and then one point on the defense um, that I did want to make, if the season ended today, Matt Milano absolutely deserves to be an all pro. Oh, he's been playing out of his mind. The amount of plays he made on Sunday, whether it was reading Heineke and making short, you know, stops on the runs on third down, you know, the play where Terry McLaurin almost caught a touchdown, you know, they showed the play Milano drops back takes away the running back. Then he drops back farther, takes away the crossing receiver. And then Heineke rolls out and Milano steps up and whacks him on the throw. Like, yeah, that's exactly why you paid Matt Milano every penny they did. And on games where Edmonds is off, Matt Milano is a good enough linebacker that he can make up for that. And I don't think people give him enough credit that he deserves. Like it's crazy that I don't think people realize that Matt, Matt Milano might not be the best player on the bills defense. Cause you have, you know, Trey White and even Ed Oliver probably gets mentioned more because he's a first-round pick, and you hear Greg Rousseau and even Edmonds more than Milano. Uh-huh. And then, obviously, Poyer and Hyde have never gotten the respect they deserve, but Bill's people talk about them a lot. Matt Milano's probably the most important player to that defense. Might not be the best player, but I think he's the most important, and he's kind of that glue and, for that defense. Hands down, especially with how spotty the linebacker play has been the past few years, right? Like, he is that rock. When he was out, they were all over the place. Teams were picking us apart down the middle. Um, so, yes, yeah, so when he's there, it's game over, right? Like, he's just – he flies to the ball. He's everywhere. He's super smart. The, the football IQ is just so large. Like, he knows what he's doing. Um, so, yeah, 100%. He, he's definitely – he had another great game. He's been putting together incredible games. Um Hyde and Poyer both had interceptions, incredible interceptions of just making um, Heineke look like a high school football player. Like it just, yeah, it's an elite defense. They're ranked number four in the league right now. Um, And going against the 24th ranked offense in the Texans, like I said, like this has to be a shutout. You have to just take over the game and prove to the league that, Hey, it's not about our high scoring offense anymore. Like the defense is here still, and we're going to make your life hell, right? Like they've done it in every game, even against the Steelers, right? A game that we lost, they didn't really do like Ben and the offense didn't do much. Granted, Ben and the offense are kind of shitty. Um, but yeah, like the defense is playing incredible complimentary football, and they just have to keep it going um, and show up and show out and stay healthy. Um, for sure. Taron Johnson's having a quietly good year as well. He's been really important for them. Yeah. Um, and then I think this is actually kind of a big game for Trey um, White too, just because he wasn't – so we kind of talked about how he didn't look like himself against the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. And he made that beautiful play on Logan Thomas, punching the ball out for the fumble. Right. But – and McLaurin didn't have like a great game, but – it just doesn't seem like Trey's all the way. Like, there were still some plays where I was like, he missed a couple tackles. Um, McLaurin got best of him a few times. And I was just like, 
something seems a little off. And I think this would be a good game, especially when Brandon Cooks is really their only receiving threat. And I know their tight end's a pretty big guy as well. This would be a perfect game for Trey to really settle in with Kansas City coming up where you have to run a lot of different looks against Kelsey and Hill. And I don't know if I know they just signed Josh Gordon. I don't know how long he has to sit for because that'll be week five. I don't know if now he has to serve four games. I really haven't read into that, um, but he could be a factor. Then again, he hasn't played in a year, so scratch that. But um, as far as the Texans game goes, what do you want to see from the Bills on offense? What concerns do the Texans pose? Because um, one thing I was kind of curious on your opinion on is, is this an important game to really get Moss and Singletary going to – you know, really establish the run and give them momentum? Or do you kind of want to let Josh carry more momentum off of a good week going into Kansas City, then having to go into Tennessee for two road games, wanting him to be, you know, super high up, clicking on all cylinders for it? I think it's a weird dynamic. And I think it's a kind of an interesting question of what you would rather have if you had to choose one or the other. Yeah, so my initial thought, thought on this kind of worries me so my my initial thought was let's treat this like it's a last preseason game right like get that confidence going into the season right starters play a bunch you're trying stuff out get josh going get the arm ripping whatever then it's like oh well if they if that's how they're going to approach this could this could that then turn into a trap game where something stupid happens you get sugar high josh and God forbid, right, things get out of hand and knock on wood, they lose it. I don't think that'll happen, but, like, stick with that mindset of let Josh eat, let the running backs run wild. I think you put stuff on film for those tougher games moving forward for Tennessee, for Kansas City to see, like, all right, we know Josh Allen has an arm. We know he's a freak. But look at the running game. Like, look at what they were able to do. Look what they look what this two-headed running monster is able to do. I think that's what you have to. That has to be your focus. Is use this game to put stuff on film for teams to be able to respect your offense, respect what you're doing um, on you know your side of the ball. Um, so, I want a little bit of everything. I want Josh to throw hit some deep balls, hit some smart plays. Don't be running around with a, like a chicken with your head cut off. Right. Um, Don't take hits. Don't, you know, run into traffic, which he hasn't been doing right. He's been playing pretty smart for the most part, if not even a little too smart. Um, But then, yeah, like run some sweeps. I don't think we've really seen that many sweeps with Isaiah yet this year. So Maybe they're keeping those in their pocket for those tough games where they need to get out of holes that they're digging. But yeah, I think um, just keep a balanced game plan. Just play the game and get ready to build that momentum going into a tough, you know, two game stretch of the, of the season. Yeah. And I think with the running game, I agree with every point you just had establishing a running game, I think will open up, an element of the offense we haven't really seen too much yet. And that's the play action. We haven't really seen too much of it. We've seen, you know, bits here and there, but we haven't really seen it to a full blown extent. I think Zach Moss has actually been a little bit better than I would have expected catching the ball out of the backfield. I mean, he's done a nice job the last few weeks. 
Um, I'm really not really worried about Singletary because I think it was kind of just Moss got the hot hand and he didn't get nearly many carries. And then the game yeah. got so out of hand, he didn't really need to um, get the ball um, too much. I agree with the McKenzie stuff too, getting him involved on the jet sweeps. Um, I think it's also the perfect um, – as far as when they do end up playing the Chiefs, I think that's the perfect time in the season where Brian Dable ultimately will drop some play call that we have not seen because we've seen it every year with yeah. him. We saw it in the Cowboys game with um, John Brown throwing the touchdown pass to Singletary. We saw it with the McKenzie throwing it to Josh. We saw John Brown throwing it to Josh in the you know playoff game. We've seen Cole Beasley throw it last year against the Seahawks to Gabriel Davis. You know we've seen all these weird things come up at just like weird opportune times. And I think this Texans game could kind of give Dable some looks. And I think defensively is actually where you might want to try some things of maybe we want to try this look against Kansas city, you know, blitzing from here, see how you can get success. Um, But it's definitely interesting. And then one other thing I wanted to get your opinion on because Gabriel Davis didn't play a ton on Sunday. It's clear that the injury is still bothering him with the ankle. I think this is a perfect opportunity to rest Gabriel Davis this game, inactivate him, let him get another full week to get healthy for a Kansas City team, and let Isaiah McKenzie, Kumro, and these other guys get more involved. I don't know what your thoughts on that are. Yeah, I think that's a fair point, right? I, I think um, I think the mindset with the Houston game needs to be stay healthy, right? Give those guys who maybe need another week a chance to rest. We have some depth on, on both sides of the ball. So if a guy's not hundred percent, don't play him. Um, we've got two game tough games before we get an, another rest in the bye week after. So, yeah. So play who's fully healthy, ready to go. Don't do anything crazy. Get the win, play a full 60 minute game. Um, just don't get hurt and try to be a full team like don't go crazy get the win score more points than the other team get out of there and then let's start game planning for playing some real football so yeah i think that's a smart move we'll see what happens there um in in the coming days um but yeah it'll be interesting to see what their game plan is right like we talked we started the show saying they're not going to overlook the Texans. They're not looking on to Kansas, uh, to Kansas city, but you know, we spent the last 10 minutes talking about how, you know, they should do stuff to get ready for Kansas city. So I guess that's why we're not coaches and we're just sitting here talking about it, but <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think with Houston, like I've been saying, just go in, play your football, get a win, get out, stay healthy and move on with the season. Don't overlook it. Don't overthink it. Don't underthink it. Just, play a game, score more points than the other team, nice and simple, and get ready to keep going. You never know what David Culley is going to throw your way when he punts it from your own 35-yard <laughs> line. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this is a perfect game for the Bills to just go out, dominate, put your head down, move on to the next game. Um, I'd like to see Diggs get a little more involved. I want to see the run game. Everyone's staying healthy. Um I really would like to see Gabe Davis sick because outside of that big third down conversion to start the game against Washington, he really wasn't on the field. I don't even think he had a catch after that. Um, it's yeah. clearly lingering. It's uh, in the uh, Miami game. It was lingering and he's someone you definitely want on the field when you're running five personnel as much as they are. Um, right. So hopefully we can get 
him healthy and knock on wood for the most part, the bills have been able to um, kind of avoid that. I know Poyer rolled his ankle. I know he didn't practice today, but from the sounds of it, he's going to be fine based on everything he was saying. So hopefully mm-hmm. another fun Sunday in Orchard Park this week. Um, any final thoughts before we close the show um, on any thoughts on the Texans game or, you know, any more follow-up on Washington or just general overall thoughts on the team right now? Uh, just a couple crazy stats that I've seen. Um, so the Bills are 16-1 and one in games when scoring 30-plus points since 2017. The only loss, you know what the only loss was? Sc- scored 30-plus, but we lost. Mm, he got me. That's the Hal Murray game. Oh, yeah. I kind of just try to block that vision out of my <laughs> mind. <laughs> so I think that's a cool stat, right? Because you go back to think of that long, the 2019 season where it felt like perpetually only scoring 17 points a week, right? We couldn't break 20 points. And now, right, 16 and one going 30 plus points. Um and then we're nine and zero when Josh throws for three hundred plus in a game. Incredible, right? Like I remember when he got his first three hundred yard game. Then he followed it up with a four hundred yard game. So it's like it was pretty cool. I feel like we're getting spoiled. And then of course, right? Josh is getting you know got the AFC Offensive Player of the Week. That's cool. Um, he's that's what is it? His seventh time getting that. I think it's his ninth uh, time, actually. Or ninth time, something stupid like that. Yeah, take that, Nick that right, you clown. Yeah, in a year where he's supposed to regress, he got, you know, offensive player of the week for week three. So um, we're in good shape. Stay healthy, stay smart, and we'll be fine moving forward. Yeah, uh, Taylor Heineke being better than Josh Allen and Nick Wright. <laughs> Kiss my ass. Yeah, he's a stooge. Um, did you all see that stat during the game? I want, I don't, I'm going to butcher it, but the McDermott stat of when they were leading games at halftime, his record was like 33 and nine or something when they were leading at halftime or something insane like that. Hmm. It's a hell of a stat. And I will what say the, third quarters this year, we've been really good. Yeah. That, that was going to be another thing I was going to make. Like I haven't hated third quarters yet, so <laughs> we're good there. Keyword uh, is yet. The, yeah. What are those nine? Uh, uh that's for it's probably it's probably the first year with Tyrod, honestly. Probably. Because I'd be he, interesting interested to see what those yeah, are. I don't know if it was 39 or 30. It was very high third or 30s to some single digit number. Hmm. And I'd assume the Hail Murray game was probably another one because I assume we were winning at halftime of that game, I believe, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. But I think that's pretty much going to do it today. Um, We appreciate everyone for tuning in. We'll be back next week following, hopefully, another throttling of the Houston Texans. We'll get to preview the Chiefs game, which we kind of already touched upon because we can't control ourselves and we're still mad about the AFC Championship from last year. But um, give us a follow on Instagram at English Encore Podcast. It would be greatly appreciated. We appreciate everyone that tunes in every week. Um, This has been English Encore Podcast, Buffalo's favorite sports channel. These guys are good. Scary good. What a connection. Allen and Diggs. No one circles the wagon like the Buffalo Bills.